Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm your host, Charnel Lennox, and back by popular demand with me is Judge Megan. Hi, Megan. Hi, Charnel. You know what I realized after the last time we recorded? People literally stand up when you walk into a room, and I didn't even like call you your honor once on the podcast. And I mean, what a lost opportunity. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm just like, I don't stand up when you walk into a room. So I, your majesty, I'm so sorry. I did not acknowledge. (laughs) I stopped expecting people to stand up. Like the first time I walked into a restaurant after I was elected, I was super disappointed. But in their defense, I, I wasn't wearing a robe. Nope. Um, right. And instead, I, you know, chose to show that I'm a female because yes. those robes are not meant for women to wear. No, they hide everything. They do. Yep. And if you're a, a, a larger chested person, they cling in all the wrong places and they make you look like a linebacker. <laughs> so I've got all these other female judges who are just these petite little things and they look fantastic in their robes and super powerful. And, and I, I mean, I look like a lineman in mine. So that's more intimidating though, just so you know. Well, I, the heels perhaps as well. Absolutely. So yes. yeah, that's, yep. that's the only way I can actually show my personality is to wear some type of ridiculously high heel with that. Yep. So. Yep. And I'm sure colorful. Can you do colors? Usually. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have some red ones that are fantastic. That's what I was picturing. Oh yeah. Candy apple. Red's oh, a power color. Gosh. I'm just going to come sit into your courtroom just so I can stare at well, your... it, All courtrooms are, are open, they at are. least in the state of Michigan. So any yep. of you who want to go see some true crime in person go to your local court right yes and Enter- free entertainment yeah just Truly. don't use it don't use it as like a tinder site yes it's a terrible place to pick <laughs> up a date <laughs> just say no to anyone who's trying to pick you up there that's usually good, that would be my advice so what are you fondling advice. over here i i'm intrigued your honor i present you with six little dicks which is the most i've ever had in my hand at one time i will openly admit but I feel- <laughs> We have to thank. That's a lost opportunity right there. (laughs) We have got to thank our very special fan. I'm just going to call her a fan. Okay. Michelle. Michelle. Michelle, These are adorable. She sent us crystal penises. May I hold one? Oh, you can hold them all. Feel the power in your hand. So this is what it's like, gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Now I get it. I understand their obsession with them. Right. They're just so fun. They are for our kangaroo sack, Megan. Oh, so you have these lucky crystals. And they all mean something, too, right? They are crystals. Yes, look at you guys. Oh, this is the, I have a black onyx one. There's the big black onyx one. I'm just, it's Weird, I thought it'd be bigger. It's the same size as the other. It is. It's exactly the same size. (laughs) And then this is like a jade one. Jade, yep. Um, We have onyx. We have jade. I think this is rose quartz. Rose quartz. Oh, this is that... Tiger eye. Yep, that's tiger eye. What was this? What's a red one? Um, Jasper. Jasper. Yes. Okay, and then like a gray quartz. A gray quartz. Yeah. Oh, lovely. You should look up and see what they mean. Yes, because now we are going to put them all in the kangaroo sack. Okay. And I'm hopefully that it brings us good luck. And from this point forward, we're going to shake our kangaroo sack with the six little penis crystals in it for good luck. 
a lovely noise. It's a beautiful sound. Soothing. It, it really is. Who knew? Again, we, we understand now. We gentlemen. do. Yeah. Who knew six dicks rubbing together would oh, uh, yeah, that's bring such good luck? Good God, woman. That's a different podcast or episode. <laughs> oh, right. That's my other podcast. It is. Sorry. It is. Just kidding. I don't have another podcast, but I might after that. Well, Michelle, thanks for sending Charnel the D. Yes. I told her I've never been so excited to receive little dicks before. Right. This is way better than getting a dick pic. It is. Which are usually never asked for and almost Un- always uninvited. Absolutely. Unsolicited. Yes. She did send me. She said, I found the perfect crystals for you. What is your P.O. box? And she was so right. So thank you so much. I feel like my life is complete that I have a kangaroo scrotum sack with little crystal penises inside it. You it just, doesn't get any better than that. No. And you guys, you cannot get this shit on any other podcast. I'm sorry, but only here. You guys should see how empowered Charnel is right now. <laughs> this is what you feel like in your heels and robe, isn't it, Megan? I mean, a little. Yeah, I get kind it. Of. I get it. Now I'm jealous of your nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. So what do I have for you guys today? So I'm going to, we're going to kick it a little bit old school today because I think you're really going to relate. I think we're both going to relate with this woman. She is a criminal, but she was very powerful for her time. Holy shit. Is this an old timey case? It's an old timey case. So I need to, because I feel like we're farther removed so we can laugh a little bit more in old timey cases. It doesn't feel right in present time cases. People are less likely to message and tell you how insensitive you are. People are are less likely to sue me for laughing. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I, I do. This is the case of, she was a notorious criminal as a matter of fact, Tilly Devine. Oh my God, that's better than the porn star names from the last episode. Yes, it is. Tilly Devine. Tilly Devine. I'm going to change my name. I think you should. Tilly Devine. Judge Tilly. Love at your service. Do you Mm -hmm. picture her like in one of those old timey burlesque outfits with like the the lace and the fronts a little higher and like the leather boots? What you're describing is a madam and I'm here to tell you that Tilly Devine was the madam of her time. This is even better. It's an amazing case. So Tilly's a criminal, but we already kind of like her a little. You're not going to hate everything about Tilly. Okay. 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 And kind of history doesn't hate everything about her. Like she kind of does go down in history as recognizing that for her time, what she accomplished, actually her and her nemesis, who's also a very powerful woman. um, Yeah. They, they, history does kind of recognize like, okay, yeah, the choices that you made, not so great. But the fact that you could do this in your time shows what a badass bitch you were. So I had to bring it to the people, the crime-curious people. All right, jump in. I got to hear about Miss Tilly. So Tilly was actually born Matilda Mary Twiss. Oh, yeah. Her her porn star name's way better. Yeah. Yep. So on September 8th, 1900, in Cumberwell, South London, she was born to Edward Twiss, who was a bricklayer, and his wife's not his nope only one wife his wife Alice Tubbs Twiss okay so the area of Cumberwell was one of like the worst slums in London she was born into poverty and there was a lot of violent crime there part of the reason I do think because of where she was born we see how she kind of becomes this ruthless woman later on because she 
she had to fight to live, essentially. So you're describing early survival skills here. Yes, yep. So she left school at age 12 and worked in one of the noxious trades factories that was very popular for the area. I... I don't know. I see the look on your face. Well, I hear noxious, and the English major in me is thinking noxious is usually something unpleasant, fume-oriented, something that would be uh, abrasive to your senses. Yes. That is what I was get- getting from my Google searches as well. It's and it, it seems as though this was like a factory for making sense of some sort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, she was described as being young, vivacious, pretty, and very street smart. She was determined to move out of poverty, and at the age of 15, she decided to try to do this by becoming a sex worker. But she did it in the glamorous like theater area of the West End of Cumberwell. So she knew that her clientele was going to be better yes. in a different location. Yes, exactly. She wasn't just giving the milk away for free. She wanted people to pay a pretty penny for it. Mm -hmm. All right. Good for you, Tilly. Absolutely. In 1916, she met Australian James Jim, known as Jim, Edward Joseph Devine. He was described as a sapper, which I did look up, and a sapper is a combat engineer. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Which he actually was an engineer for the Australian Imperial Force. Oh, my God. I got a Star Wars like thought in my Vibe. head that there's an imperial yes. force there is there was a, there's an australian there was at the time at this time yep when she was 1916 oh yeah and so his job was actually working with a tunneling company um for the imperial force at the age of 15 she marries jim divine and they married on august 12th 1917 um, I apologize. I just said when she was 15. They married and they started dating when she was 15. They married in 1917 when she was 17 years old. Was she actively engaged in sex work when she met him? Yes. Is that how she met him? Yes. Oh my God. He literally, he fell in love with a stripper. And then he continued to allow, to wish, to see the financial benefits that she could provide with her sex work. Oh, so he was okay with this. Well, yeah, I'm not sure that with a woman like Tilly that he was he able to tell her no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's 17 years old. They got married in the Church of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in Cumberwell. And they did not have like the typical sweetheart wartime marriage. Because remember, we're at war here in this time. And they... Unfortunately, had a lot of violence, a lot of turbulence in their marriage, and it probably wouldn't have been half as bad if both of them could have maybe laid off the alcohol. Oh, they were both on the sauce. They were. Okay. And then they just liked to fist fight and then fuck. All right. So. (laughs) The the, the two Fs. Yep. Yep. So then... Her earnings were very substantial with her sex work. And I'm sure that the fact that she was doing sex work but making so much money, making it impossible for her to stop, didn't help their marriage and relationship. 
truly, we have to know that that would have been problematic. I would think that that might have had a lot to do with the fighting. I'm going to say. How was your night at work, honey? Right. You know, he can talk about his day, but she cannot. Right. I would imagine. Or if she tried, he's like, nope, nope, earmuffs. Yes. I don't want to know. Put the money down. Never mind. Yes. But give me some more money for my booze. Right. Absolutely. He eventually decides that if you can't beat him, you join him. You okay. Join the sex trade? No, he doesn't join the sex trade. Well, not not in the the way that you're thinking where he himself becomes a sex worker. He decides, "Okay, I'm going to start being her bodyguard." We have like a, a Kevin Costner situation going on up in here with Whitney Houston. Okay. okay? It is I am going to kind of help pick these men for you, make sure that they are not harming you in any way. He's now going to have his hand in it. Okay. Is it almost sweet? Like he's trying to keep her safe and, and pick like the, the safe ones. I think that, this one looks yeah. clean. I Yeah. I think there's a sweetness in there somewhere, question mark. Or he was just super jealous and wanted to be involved and know everything, everything. that was going on. That thought crossed my mind, too. Well, like, is this power and control, or is this I legitimately want to be your bodyguard? Yeah, knowing our domestic violence situations and yeah. the power and control wheel, but eh, probably the latter. I'll, I'll say this, though. Tilly could throw a punch as much as she was taking one. So I, their their relationship was equally as combative. All right. Uh, so I, I don't know. He just decides that he is going to be her heavy and they're going to continue to work the streets, the finer parts of the streets. And this is when, in October 1918, they'd only been married for a year at this point in time, she is first arrested for soliciting on the Strand, and they noticed that she had no problem paying the hefty fine of 40 shillings rather to keep her ass out of jail. So they immediately the police are like, hmm, She'd been doing this for a while and she gets good money. Like to be able to pay 40 shillings so you don't have to go to jail. I don't know how much a shilling is in, you know, 1918, but the record books show that this was, this raised some eyebrows of like, oh, she's fetching a fair price. She's good at what she does. Uh huh. The two do have a son together. I don't know how paternity was established before anybody asks me that question. Oh, I don't think it was. I'm guessing not, but they had a son named Frederick together. And Jim returns to Australia in 1919. Tilly then follows him on the war bride ship. Okay. And that ship was called the (laughs) Waimana. Yeah, sure. Give me a spelling. Remember that. You would ask for that. W-A-I-Y-M-A-N-A. Waymana. I see. Yeah, Waymana for sure. Yeah. And the Waymana arrived with Tilly on it in Sydney, January 13th, 1920. So they weren't apart like super long. Their son, Frederick, did remain in London with his grandparents. Oh, really? They mm-hmm. left the baby and she went they with did. him? They did. I wonder if that was normal for the time. I wondered that, too, because, you know, he was from Australia. He worked for the Australia um, Empire. Imperial, <laughs> Imperial Force. Right. So he has to go back, right? And she's his bride. The Divines lived in a rented flat in Glenmore. Um, um, sorry. Yes, in Glenmore on Paddington Road which was another rundown slum area that was overcrowded and badly con- had like badly constructed 
it was described as ramshackle dwellings. Okay. So not, you know, they had wealth in London and then... Back to the slum. Well, I don't know if they pissed it all away or what. Or what, yeah, or what it's, what's happening here that they first move into this rundown area. Um, I found this little nugget too. So the inner eastern suburbs of where they were at in Paddington was home to some of the most notorious and violent underworld people. They had what was called, this is terrifying, razor gangs. Razor gangs. Razor gangs. These are just gangs that carry around razors and go around slitting people. Oh, like uh-huh. Jack the Ripper style. Yeah, with razors. Okay. Yeah, they're, yeah. They had lots of drug peddling happening, of course. And they had sly grog sellers, which we will get to what a sly grog is, too. I have, I'm in putting so much knowledge, old-timey knowledge on us today. A sly grog. I just like yep. the, how it sounds. Me too. Sly grog. So there's lots of brothels that were occupied by murky, seedy people of the city. Okay. And a little backstory. So this is the area. This is Paddington where they live. Now, a little backstory is that in 1916, so this is before Tilly is married to Jim, the government actually passed the Liquor Act, Act, which made the sale of alcohol illegal after 6 p.m. And that's what created the sly grog industry. Oh, grog is a drink. Yeah. I'm getting it now. Sly okay. grog so- is prohibited liquor after 6 p.m. I see. So it wasn't necessarily prohibition, but they put a curfew on it. They did. Yeah. Because nothing good happens after six o'clock in the right. slum. Yep. Yes. Okay. Here we would say midnight, there, 6 p.m. That's fair, where it Fair that, enough. That's where well, the line is. we're not talking about electricity here, so it's legit dark. Yeah. I mean, unless yes. you're walking around with a candle. Right. What are those? Lantern. Lantern. Oh, yeah. In this area where they live, there's razor gangs walking around. There are drug peddlers. There are, you know, brothels after brothel. And there's sly grog sellers who know that they, they're pretty tough in of themselves because, A, you're not going to rob them. Like, they have liquor, illegal liquor and whatnot on them. And so they're going to be pretty badass if you, you know, you can't try to. You got to protect your goods. Yep. Can't fuck with them. So... It's not a good, good area to be in. Um, so apparently this, these sly grog sellers or illegal industry, as, as you will, thrived until the law was repelled like decades later after World War II. So this went on for quite some time of this 6 p.m. curfew on alcohol. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I wonder if it was if it was a military thing that was put in place too, perhaps. Well, yes, because there some of the materials that, are were used to make liquor were being rationed. Okay. You know, so it 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 really trickles down to everything, just like we're seeing now with COVID. You sure, know? absolutely. The most successful sly grogger from 1919 was a Dubo born Kate Lee. But her last name is spelled L-E-I-G-H. Okay. Kate Lee. This becomes Tilly's arch enemy. I like it. We have two strong women here. We do. Entrepreneur women. Yep. Now, at the height of her reign, she had more than 20 illegal drinking places, catering to all classes of society, 
And she was repeatedly a police informer. She was also one of the city's biggest cocaine dealers. Really? Oh, yeah. But she was working with the cops, Uh so they aren't going to do anything to stop her? No, she had the cops on her payroll. She was very well interconnected. Mm -hmm. They actually had nicknamed her the Snow Queen because she ran so much cocaine through the city. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, there were some 5,000 drug addicts in Sydney in the 1920s, most using cocaine at this time. And it could be bought from pharmacists on a prescription, but most was smuggled from Asia by Chinese sailors and locals and whatnot who sold it at like bulk, you know, in bulk. That's to the affordable street cocaine. Yes, exactly. And that is where Kate Lee thrived, was her bulk you know, mostly getting it by Chinese sailors. So um, she's selling the grog too, mm-hmm. but her money's coming from mm-hmm. the snow. Yeah. Yep. She's got it all. Does she own any brothels that we know about? Oh, yeah. She gets into the brothel okay, industry. Right. Mm-hmm. I told you, she is an entrepreneur. And Tilly is like not going, I mean, I think in a way she looked up to Kate, but she starts to become Kate's rival and Kate kind of won't have that because she was here first. Oh, territorial. Who this new bitch? Where did she come from? Exactly, exactly. So Tilly immediately resumes her old trade with her good looks and her wily ways when she is, um, when she returns, when she comes to, is in Australia, right? She is fetching the top price of 10 shillings for each encounter. Oh, no wonder she could post the 40 shilling bond. Exactly. She made that in an hour. Yeah, right? I mean, now you're just being mean to some guys out there. (laughs) Listen, some of them haven't been with a woman in a long time. There's no shame. Perhaps. Perhaps. I'm making 40 shilling an hour. It's four 15ers right there. That's right. Or four tenors and five minute breaks. Mm -hmm. There might be a 30 minute and some tours in there. You never, you never know. It all equals out. Oh yeah. It's like being a hairdresser. Some haircuts take 10 minutes, some take 30, some are, you know, an hour and a half. It's, but at the end of the day, it's as about long as the your same customer money. leaves happy. Right. It's all that matters. Fine. Jim acts as her pimp, protector, chauffeur, all those things. Sometimes just straight the getaway man. And he was locally known at this point as Big Jim. Of course he was. And they decide that they're going to get themselves into the illegal opium and cocaine trade. If it's good enough for Kate Lee, it's good enough for Big Jim and Tilly Devine. For sure. So between 1921 and 1925, Tilly Devine was arrested on 79 occasions for sex work offenses. 79 times. At what point are you just breaking even? I do. You're posting bond that much. Like, what the hell? She often was referred to in the criminal records as being arrested for offensive behavior and indecent language. Indecent language? That's what I would go down for so hard. Oh my god, yeah. You know, there's still crazy laws on the books like that, too. Yeah. Like you're not technically allowed to swear in front of women or children in the state of Michigan still. I could have so many people arrested. Right. Holy shit. (laughs) Right. At any youth athletic event. Oh, no. Now I'm really screwed. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so indecent language. That's yep. an interesting Indeed. arrest. Yep. And then the solicitation, of she course. Was offensive behavior. I'm assuming that was the solicitation. But then the indecent language was, you know she was telling them to fuck off when they're trying to arrest her oh, for absolutely. solicitation. But I love that they combine those. How dare a lady use that type of language in public during this age? Yep. And so it's the same fine as prostitution. Have yep. a nice day, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. Now stop swearing. I know. Back out there. Now, yes. Get out there and make a, make some money. You know there were some frequenters on the police force that were enjoying Tilly as well. Like, oh, okay. I would assume perhaps. Yes. 79 times. Come on. She was also once charged with fighting and consorting with known criminals. Okay. How dare you talk with these known criminals. Also, at what point is Tilly just not a known criminal? Like, exactly. how do you arrest somebody who, like, Tilly, we're going to arrest you for consorting with these known criminals. Are you also arresting those criminals for consorting with Tilly? This is like <laughs> when you're dealing with somebody who says, well, the reason that I've, I've committed this crime is because I was hanging out with the wrong people. And you say, sweetie, you are the wrong right. people. <laughs> yes. Like, the, you have to understand this at some point. Yep. So she was usually fined or just imprisoned for a few days. Like, that's how they handled this. Um more sinister, however, was the charge of maliciously wounding a confectioner named Sidney Cork, who was living at 474 Burke Street with a razor blade in May 1925. Oh, she picked she up on did. the razor blade trade. And what I could not find was I suspect, Megan, that this was her defending herself against an unwanted advancement from a man the confectioner needed some more sugar yeah and she wasn't yes perhaps a willing participant she had she was an entrepreneur so she had her business strategies and tactics and i wonder if this man tried to push those limits and she's a, she's a street woman like she is street wise and you don't fuck with tilly so she gave that son of a bitch 17 stitches. So this is the old-timey equivalent to what would now be a relatively serious felony um, considered a felonious assault or an assault GBH, which is great bodily harm less than murder because yeah. she she slashed him. She slashed him enough to need 17 stitches. Okay. And so for this, she did get two years with light labor. Yeah, so that actually mm -hmm. sounds relatively accurate. Yeah. Yep, still very, you know, coincides, like you were saying, a little with the bit. law today. It does. Mm -hmm. And she did that, um, her, her little light labor and her two-year stint in Long Bay Women's Prison. The police report described Divine as, quote, this is not my words, this is the police report, as, quote, a prostitute of the worst type and an associate of the worst types of prostitutes, vagrants, and criminals, end quote. So basically, like, she's the worst of the worst of the worst. They really shit talk Tilly. There. They that really did. That wasn't nice at all. Yeah, not not at all. A prostitute of the worst type. Because there are better types? Well, I'm like, what does that even mean? Because she uses indecent language. Oh. That's why. Was Kate a better, it was Kate, right? Was she yes. a better, like a higher class type of prostitute? I don't know, but I do know that peop the history books like Kate better than Tilly. Okay, it always works that way. Uh -huh. I think it's because she was there first. I really do. Kate was a charmer, too. Kate really had... And this is her home turf. Mm -hmm. She is Australian. And remember, this is she her was a area. police informant. So you know she was very charismatic, very... Well, mm -hmm. and history is written by the winners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they do... The, 
the history books do seem to write more favorably about Kate, even though she was doing some big, dirty things before Tilly came along. I mean, my God, she was the largest cocaine dealer in all in their town, for crying out loud. There were like 5,000 addicts, and she's got them all. Yeah, and see, know? now I just want to call Kate the big dirty. She really was the snow queen. The snow queen. The so, big dirty. The big dirty snow queen. So I want to tell you, you're really going to appreciate this loophole in the law, I think. So the New South Wales police, they came up with an amend, like a, an amended act of 1908 that made it an offense for a man to operate a brothel as a pimp or profit from the earnings of prostitution at all. Okay, so that this act of very- 1908. Feminist of them. Mm, mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to keep people safe from men, right? Yep, yep. But the loophole that Tilly finds with this prohibition is that there's a lot of sexist wording in that. It specifically keeps saying a man. A man can't own a brothel. Oh, so they intended this with men as in because they didn't figure that a woman would be able to do that. How would a woman ever know how to run a business, Megan? Especially a brothel, right? My God. Because they don't know how to use those things. Nope. Not at all. Not without a man telling them how to. My God, she's brilliant. Thank you. Sorry, that says man in the literal sense. Yep. I am not a man. I am a woman. So I'm going to go ahead and own these brothels this and is profit from this sex work mama kitties uh-huh right yes exactly Good if you guys you, don't Tilly. know that's what my madam name is going to be someday if i ever get to own my brothel stiletto yeah i'm gonna be Madam mama kitty and i think i'll have a picture of tilly on the wall i think you should i'm i'm telling you she loves so she figures out this loophole and she's like guess what I'm busting, and I know my looks aren't going to last forever. So I need a flow of cash. I need sustainability. And she takes her her chances here. And by the end of the 1920s, Tilly had stopped sex work herself and had become the owner of a string of brothels throughout the Surrey Hills and Darlinghurst, Paddington, and my favorite Wooloo Moolu. Yes. Interesting. Yep. That was a that was an area like Mhm. Wooloo okay. yep. Areas of the city. So to guard her illegal empire, I mean, was it it wasn't really illegal. Oh, she had the loophole. She has the loophole. She employed a large staff of standover men as they were known at the time. Bouncers, bouncers, guards, mm-hmm, to protect her premises and the women that were working for her. She was very adamant about making sure that her girls were safe. So in not the work only that did she doing. break into the brothel industry, but she was working to correct it. Yes, excuse me, to she was working to it correct better. it. Better, yeah. Yep. Why yep. not? We're gonna make better conditions for you. You're not gonna get the crap beat out of you after you sleep with this guy because I got somebody to protect you, exactly. ladies. Exactly. I've got the standover men. I like Which it. also, could you imagine being a standover guy and you're just like con- the shit you constantly have to hear or see? see. Oh, well, I mean, so sorry. I think there's a whole group in society that is like, what do you mean? You pay people for that? I'll do it for free. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a, <laughs> That's a good point. Go look at their OnlyFans account. Yep. Yep. That's true. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll find them. 
for my, for stiletto. Right. And it, Who's no, a voyeur? True. If you're a voyeur, sign up. I don't Come think sign up. I don't think you want to advertise that. <laughs> don't message Charnel, no, please, no. if you're a voyeur. I'm joking. If this <laughs> is your this first time trick. here. Yes. Have you ever seen the episode on television where you try to trick all of the sex offenders into coming to somebody's house? It's a sting. Don't believe it. Yes. I'm not going to fall for that again. No. This lady's tricking me. She wants me to come there and say I'm here to watch. Uh And then I get arrested. So according to Larry Ryder, who wrote lots of of books and, and articles on Tilly, Tilly's workers saw her Tilly's workers saw her as like a benevolent despot. Okay? okay. She demanded loyalty and honesty and rewarded those who worked hard and handed over their earnings. Um, she provided food and lodge lodgings for them, medical care. Wow. Yes. And importantly, protection that we had, you know, talked about from the deviant customers. But she was ruthless with those who hid their earnings or would sack them and then often, like, you know, beat or meticulously wound them as a parting gift, shall we say, like you were saying earlier. So both with the girls who hid their, tried to hide their money from Tilly, but then also the men who would try to say that they, you know, didn't have the money to pay up or who would harm one of her girls after the act, she was very, very ruthless with with her razor blades. Ooh, she did this herself. She didn't even employ somebody. Like She's like, here her, comes no. Tilly with the yeah. razor blades. Yeah, like you don't. You better get out. You do not fuck with Tilly. No. No. In 1943, she was charged with uh, maliciously wounding one of her own sex workers, a girl named Ellen Grimson, with a knife to the face. Oh, Ellen, you are not working for anybody now. That's exactly why she went to the face. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, Women, you want to talk cruel. about ruthless? Yeah. And she did it on purpose because she was not giving Tilly her share of, you know, her her earnings here. And so Tilly, in a way, wanted to send a message to all the other girls working for her. Oh, she sent one. mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if she just wanted to punish her, she could have sliced her on an arm, a leg, someplace that wouldn't have affected her work. But this was to the face. You are done working, not just here, but everywhere. Good luck to you, ma'am. Right. Have fun at Kate's. Right. (laughs) Kate and the scarred up hookers. Right. (laughs) Enjoy that brothel. (laughs) She she renamed Kate's Empire. Right. (laughs) So at you're the, gonna need to do a lot of that snow to want to sleep with these girls for sure. Right? The the Tilly rejects because she keeps you know violently assaulting them for not giving up. But their I bet the fate. lesson worked. The other oh. girls at this point are like, oh, here I forgot to give you this. Here's for my sure, money. for sure. I forgot about that blowjob. There's your half. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't you think? I would think that that sends quite a strong message. Now, she was arrested for it, and but at the trial, she claimed that she had hit um, Ellen in self-defense with her diamond-ringed fingers, okay? And that, Big diamond. Uh-huh. Well, she had lots of money. She had lots of brothels at this point in time. By 1943, mm-hmm. she was doing well for herself. And she said that that wound had not been caused by a knife or a razor blade, and they believed her and she was acquitted of the assault charge. Well, she is a well-off businesswoman uh-huh. at this point. 
So yeah. she can probably afford the best defense and or people are going to believe her over, no offense, but a common hooker. Yes, that's just it. That's how they, you know, that's how they saw the victim in this situation, unfortunately. Ugh. Yes. Poor thing. Exactly. So between her getting into the drug peddling industry, her brothels, and also she got in on the sly, sly grogging. Sly grogging. It's hard to say. Sly grogging as well. Her and Jim, Big Jim, are doing well, and they moved to a comfortable bungalow on the corner of Torrington and Malabar Roads in a middle-class neighborhood. Now, this is the first time Tilly has lived in a middle-class neighborhood in Maruba. Unfortunately for their respectable neighbors, the house would soon become a place of wild parties, violent arguments between Big Jim and Tilly, and frequent police raids, and also some fatal shootings. Oh, Shit! So they they brought down the neighborhood. They absolutely did. Um, the there biggest go the property one, values. Yep, the biggest one was Jim Big Jim shooting his rival George Gunman Gaffney, um, at this home on July seventeenth, nineteen twenty nine. Aren't the names in this case amazing? George George Gunman, Gunman Gaffney. Gaffney. Oh, that's. I'd date mm-hmm. him. Yes. He sounds like a bad boy that I, I would have like went it. after. Yeah. Before he died of his wounds, Gaffney refused to turn King's evidence. So, you know, turn against, uh, become a state's witness, in right. other words. Snitch. Yep. And say who shot him. He would not say. Oh, he didn't die. Uh, it was right before he died. Oh. He refused okay. to, to do this. Probably because he's like, fuck no, what if I live? Then he was liberated of his need to testify. Yes. But Big Jim later found, um, so he he never said who shot him. Other people did. But because he would never say who shot him, and he had lived for a few days afterwards or whatnot, um, Jim was found not guilty of murder on the grounds that he was defending himself, his wife, and his home. Really? Yep. That's how they spun it. During a crazy party. Mm-hmm. But if if George Gaffney had turned King's evidence mm-hmm. and said who shot him, he probably, probably would have been found guilty of murder. But he wouldn't. He was scared. In, well, I think so because George Gaffney was like a long leading figure in the underworld of society. Okay. And he um, was like the heavy hand for none other. Than Kate Lee. Oh, interesting. Which is why Jim and George were rivals. But he was at their house. I don't know what business he had attending. It did happen during a party. Hey. But what we don't know what business George had. But accidents happen at parties, especially crazy ones. With cocaine and, and how better, alcohol. Or, uh, yeah. How could it be better spun than to have your enemy's hand... Come to your party and then have him, your quote unquote, assault you mm-hmm. so that you need to take Protect care of your yourself, family. your wife and your home. And if it just yeah. so happens that some business goes down right. and he doesn't make it. And now you there goes your rival's, you know, big man. I mean, George Gunman was Kate Lee's bodyguard, like runner. Oh, Kate. He, yeah, is, he was his heavy. I can imagine Kate is not happy with this. Most definitely not. And for years, the two women... You know, they both are leading coincidingly very dangerous and violent lifestyles with their deadly gangs, all seemingly reporting to them. Like, they 
ran this shit. Dude, this is awful. But at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking they, the the two biggest like crime organizations here at this point in time are run by women. Yes, exactly. These two ladies are owning it. I don't hate this. Okay. I, I'm very conflicted here. And also the reason that they can is because of historically. Well, not even historically. We still fucking do it today. All of our sexism. Okay. Yeah, they worded the it. The fact that you word your laws to say man only. This is on you, I, frankly. I think it's brilliant. Me too. In the 1930s, Tilly did make frequent court appearances, usually for assault, indecent language, and consorting offenses. In From like 1930 to 1936, she was constantly being arrested for these things and which is also cumbersome to, cumbersome to the police department the other thing though in court she was always lavishly flamboyantly dressed she was dripping with diamonds she wore furs she had dramatic updos and her de- like her demeanor was very very performative and modeled like basically after the rich and the famous so she is acting as a woman of society. Yes. High class. Yes. Dripping in diamonds and looking like she's just, just a little bit better than everybody else in there. And how could you possibly convict that woman, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a, a business. And woman. she's just she is. She is just doing things that other women that men thought women weren't capable of. Using their brains to run a business. Weird. Yeah. So she's going to show them. I will all, yes, look at these diamonds, look at these furs. And I'm using everything above the shoulders to run this business and not below. That's right. And she's still, even lavishly dressed up until 1936, still getting arrested for her, you know, righteous behaviors and and, um, consorting. But this time she assaulted a police officer. Well, you can take the girl out of the slums of London, but you can't take the slums of London out of the girl. Absolutely not. Yes, that's that's just it. She's got that deeply ingrained. Like She may be wearing fur, but she will throw a hook. I will cut you. Yeah. Her defense lawyer promised the judge that Tilly would leave the country for two years rather than be punished by yet another stench, stench, stretch in Long Bay. Ooh. She, yes, she As did. She got booted. And we actually can't do that now, but it, it sounds really appealing I when know. you say it like that. When what we, a great argument. When we get to just send the, our troubles to other countries. That's what they used to do. It is. Well, even over here, it's Rhode wild. Island, right? But at the same token... It's not easy to get to and from like it is today. Right. So no, you're I could getting on see a how, Right. I could see how it's like, hey, four months to go across the ocean. You're probably not going to want to come back here anytime soon. Right. So they send Tilly to London. So she's back so home. She's back home. Yep. Going back to London where her son is, by the way. Oh, I forgot about him. Right. Honestly. Frederick. Little how old's, Freddy. How old's Frederick now? Well, this is 1930 and he, so he's about 11. My God, they haven't even raised their child. No, it's a no, different episode. Grand, grandparents have. So he's, she's supposed to stay gone for two years. She does not. In less than a year, she returns back to Sydney. So she did not follow through with the agreement. She did not. But also, she surprises Big Jim, who's, you know, not expecting her for two years. And like less than a year later... She shows up. Surprise, honey. I'm home. I'm home. And I'm sure this is not shocking, but Jim just couldn't stay away from the pussy. Oh. While Tilly was gone. He got lonely. He got, he did. What's a man to do? Go to Miss Kitty's. 
And, right. Mama and he, kitties. And he does. Okay. And she finds out. He hadn't moved anybody in, though. This Not is just her finding of. out that he's frequenting. Yes. She figures out he's having an affair, and they get into a huge, huge fight. And they start shooting at each other. Oh, cool. Like you do. Okay. Just quick drama grow over yes. here. Yes. Everybody starts shooting. Shots fired. Shots fired. Mm-hmm. There's holes in all the curtains. The china's going up and <laughs> yes. huge explosion of shards. The fur is flying the from her fur. coats. Fur is flying. And the neighbors call the police because they're terrified. Interestingly enough, Jim was charged with attempted murder. But the case fell apart because Tilly refused to testify against him. Love is love. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, she was like, yeah, I drew first. <laughs> right? Why, why did they charge him and not her? It, well, honey. Because it's, it, it's sexist and he's a better shot, right? Right. If he drew also, his gun, it was probably to kill her. If she drew hers, she was just having a bad day. Women don't beat their husbands up. Come on. Okay. We're not strong enough. No. There's no such thing as strength when you're drawing a weapon. Yeah, right? But no, they they went after Jim, and I'm assuming, I would bet that Tilly refused to testify because he probably would have been like, yeah, I absolutely drew on her because she drew on me. Yeah, I'm out. We're going to just kiss and make up. Exactly. It's a draw. Fair is fair, right? In love and war. We've got to move. These neighbors are not minding their own business <laughs> right. when we shoot at each other anymore. See, and this, when you live in the slums, they don't give a shit no. when you're shooting. But when you live in the upper middle class neighborhood, they tend to get scared when they hear shots fired. This is where they went wrong. Yeah, absolutely. They should have stayed where they were. Well, the depression years hit Sydney, Australia really hard. And Tilly's businesses were not immune from the war effects, of course. People couldn't afford to pay for it. No, not as much. No, she's not bringing in as much money. However, when thousands of American servicemen during World War II uh, show up, suddenly Tilly has a windfall of money. God bless the USA. Yes. The war also brought out her more benevolent side. She held respectable parties, the proceeds of which were given to Australia soldiers' families, and she also gave generously to Veterans Welfare Association and to the Children's Hospital. So I like that. I know. She did not take all of her riches for herself. She, in the history books, really did make mention of how charitable she was. But it didn't matter. People still ended up hating her more than Kate. And Kate didn't give to charities. It's very unfair. Well, she was a local girl. Yeah. You got to support the that's locals. True. She's from London. Yeah. Okay. So Kate is not. So on numerous occasions, I'm sure you're wondering, like, how, how did Tilly and Kate get along? On numerous occasions, they personally fought in the streets with each other while countless of their henchmen slashed one another they would stab and shoot each other as well. Dude, like, this is West Side Story. It is run by two women. So they're out there just, do they have knives? Are they, they're, they're slashing there, each other or are they is, physically there's assaulting? There's razors, there's knives, there's guns, everything. They're physically fighting. Mm-hmm. And the brawl's happening off to the side with all the men. With all the men. Yep. In 1936, with the insistence of the police commissioner, William Mackey, I'm sorry, it's McKay, they agreed to an uneasy truce. So the police commissioner is like, listen, bitches, ladies, we've got to stop. Ladies, I can't do it anymore. No. 
I can't sleep at night. You're giving me a headache. Yes, I have an ulcer because your gangs keep beating the shit out of each other and I can't take it. Can you just call a truce and both of you be badass bitches? Are these women in their 40s and such now? Well, 36. 36. She was born in 1900. Kate is similar in age. I didn't jot down Kate's birthday. But okay. they, when you see pictures of them, they very much look like they're 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 in the same Within the same five years of each other, I would have well, to. Well, that think. police commissioner need to be careful because you do not piss off a premenopausal woman. No, no, let yeah. alone at two this, of them. At this point in time, in 1936, when he's like, "Ladies, ladies, ladies, come on," she is. Um, Tilly is 36. Okay, yep. So Kate's somewhere around there. If the violence between them stopped, Tilly, the madam, and Kate, the sly grogger, would be permitted to continue their business activities with little interference from the police. I know it's not, it's dubious here, right? But this is the police commissioner understanding that I can't stop you guys from running your businesses. You clearly have got something going here. But if you stop with your gang violence against each other and causing such a ruckus and my ulcer, then we will turn a cheek. Yeah. You to make what you're my doing. life easier and I will make your life yes, easier. That's exactly what, what happened here. So they they do concede to this. They're like, okay. So at this point in time, things settle down and they're neither one of them are really having the notoriety that they had before, right? So in March 1943, Tilly files for divorce from Big Jim on the grounds of cruelty. She's had enough. She's no longer, her gangs are no longer fighting with Kate's ever since 1936. You know, she's been through the ringer with Jim and I guess she just decides, like, there is a better life out there for me. So she had put up with his infidelities, his violence, and drunkenness for 27 years they were married. And she quickly fell for another man named Eric Parsons. He was a seaman. We love a good seaman on Crime Curious. Oh, my goodness. And he was a, he was a U.S. seaman or he was an Australian seaman? Now, it's interesting was that you said that. Was he from over I'm the lake not- or down under? I'm not sure. With a name like Eric Parsons, sounds, it sounds very American to very me, but Puri- I don't know. Very Puritan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just know that he was a seaman and a barman and a few years younger than Tilly. So get it, Till. Good yeah. for you, Mama. You're like rocking your mid-40s now at this point. Yeah, she's 43. Rocking mm-hmm. the mid-40s with a younger man. That's right. I dig On you, her Tilly. arm. The love with Eric does not last long because... He gets, in 1945, a little taste of Tilly's violence that she used against Jim as well so many years. During a drunken argument, Tilly shot him and was arrested for attempted murder. Oh, good gracious. You can only hide your crazy for so long, Charnel. Absolutely. We all try. I know. And I just do a podcast about it showing mine. So No, you publicize the crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all out there. It's better. When the case went to court in March, Parsons refused to testify against her and the charge was dropped. And they went ahead and got married in May 1945. Yes. So, yes. You shot at me. You shot me. Shot You him. didn't just shoot at me. You shot, shot me. Shot him during and, an argument. And I think that I just love you more than I ever did before. Get down on one knee while bleeding profusely. And mm-hmm. now we're, now we're going to get married. Now we're going to get married. Yeah. That's wild times. Engagement gunshots. They're a thing. <laughs> you know, is this what shotgun wedding really meant? Oh, fuck. That's great. <laughs> I think maybe you can see merch. I want a t-shirt that says shotgun wedding with a picture of Tilly <laughs> holding a gun 
in the old timey outfit and Eric on the ground proposing. Proposing. Because yes, that's it. that's I want it. What he I that's kinda how this went down. Or artwork. Totally put that in my office. Yes. True crime artwork. Yes. Yep. Yep. Shotgun wedding. Now, they had a hell of a wedding party. Like they it was like the party of the century. Okay. It went all the way. It started on a Saturday. It went all the way into Sunday evening. They were celebrating their wedding so hard. Oh, I like that. Too. I know. Party that, with Tilly. I feel like my wedding reception was very boring compared to Tilly's. Yeah, two day long parties. Yes. Yep, yep. Gunshots. Now, just so you know. Yeah. I can't go on without at least three arrests. Oh my God. At her wedding reception. It ain't a fucking party if there aren't three arrests. Yep. So that's how we know. I mean, they are officially married, and this is one hell of a shindig because there were a lot of brawls that were broken up and three arrests made. None of them were the happily new, happy newlyweds, no, right? No, okay. no, no. It other, was all the guests. guests. All the guests. Probably dipping into the c- cocaine and a lot of the alcohol, of course. I mean, it's a... We're on a 48-hour affair here. They were binging. That was, a, that was from the special buffet. Right. I'm not sure what she served, but whatever she served Saturday probably did not sustain people all the way until Sunday evening. Cocktails and dreams. At one point in time where people just like, okay, I think the party's over now. I, I miss church today. I got to go to work tomorrow. Probably time to stop celebrating Tilly and Eric. Now, I will say they they stayed married for 12 years. It seemed to be that that marriage was much less violent, even though it started with, with her shooting him. So I feel like if you shoot the man at the beginning of the relationship, <laughs> the chances that he is going to assault you or beat you must significantly go down throughout the rest of the relationship. And I'm not advocating for that, of people. I'm not. making an observation. Yes, it definitely sets the bar, right? Yeah, this guy's like, I am not going to ask her what's for dinner tonight. Nope, nope. and everything she cooks is delicious. Everything. Even that burnt Chicken fried steak was <laughs> delish. No, uh, I agree. Also, anything she does to him that doesn't rise to a gunshot wound probably seems less to him. Like, oh, well, she gave me two black eyes, but at least she didn't shoot me this time. Right? So uh, she rolls over in the morning. She goes, remember that time I shot you? Right. Could you go get me some coffee? Yeah. Time for my coffee. Let my morning cup of joe, Eric. Get on it. <laughs> What ended their marriage was actually, sadly, Eric Parsons died from cancer in November 1958. Oh, okay. So, so they were she was happily widowed. married. She yes. was widowed. She was widowed. Mm-hmm. In 1948, so 10 years before, um, shortly after she marries Eric, Tilly sailed first class to England to visit her elderly father. She did return. Her and Eric were witness to Queen Elizabeth's coronation in 1953. They were? Mm-hmm. Which I just had to put in here. Because we just lost her. we just lost her. Mm -hmm. So they were there. This notorious criminal witnessed the coronation. She sure did. With her husband. By any chance, did she go to see her son? Um, He conveniently is left out. (laughs) I don't recall. I wrote these notes like two weeks ago, but I don't recall Frederick coming back up. Maybe we'll get to it in my notes, but I, I don't think so. Yes, maybe. I mean, it was her parents that were raising him, so I'm sure. But at this point, he's an adult, so I'm not sure what. This might have been the best thing for Frederick. Um, Interesting that you say that because I thought the same thing when I was reading this. 
I'm she glad you good, had enough sense. Yeah, she made a good decision. Mm-hmm. Her lifestyle did not support raising a healthy, well-adjusted child. No, That's not even sure. at that time. Mm-mm. Her London escapades were elaborately noted in the gossip columns of both the British and the Sydney newspapers, which fetched her as being one of Sydney's wealthiest citizens at the time. She was doing very well. But all of that media attention and naming her the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest citizens. I mean, if you really think about this kind of, granted, it is drugs, sex, and alcohol that's getting her all of this money, right? Which I don't have a problem with. But but she doesn't necessarily want to be known for this because it put, paints a huge target on her. Exactly. In, in October 1955, the Australian Tax Department catches up with her. Isn't it just so funny? <laughs> That people Apparently can they commit, read the newspapers. People can commit all kinds of crimes. But the thing that does you in every time is the damn tax, tax department. Right? No matter where you are, what country, they're reading the paper and they're going, hmm, that's a lot of money. I don't see where that pay- I got did paid. I got paid. report that. Pay that. Me. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to tell yep. me she goes down for tax evasion? Well, she had to pay $20,000 in unpaid income tax and fines. And she did appeal and protest it, but she had to then, at that point in time, they look into how she's making the money that she's making. Oh, good golly, Miss Tilly. Yeah, and she's forced to sell her many properties. And by 1959, she Tilly, who had once been known as the Queen of the Night with her extensive brothel empire, had just one establishment left in Palmer Street. And this closed in 1968. After being firebombed by a new criminal entrepreneur seeking a metrop like a monopoly on sex work in East Sydney, and it this was is not in Kate. the sixties. This is in the sixties, nineteen sixty-eight. Just it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that long ago for me. The problem is she got on the radar. Okay, and they looked into things. It, yeah, it ruined her monopoly. It did. It did. So in the same year, the law that accidentally permitted women but not men to live off the earnings of prostitution was amended. Times had changed. And now most of Tilly's Razor Gang associates were either dead or on to like a new generation of gang of rivals. So her reign is over. And it did take them all the way into the 60s, though, to amend the law. I mean, think about that. Yeah, it went on from the 20s. To the 60s, knowing it was written that way. There had to have been some, again, benefit here. Uh-huh. Or somebody would have suggested it to lawmakers earlier. I, I would think. There, she, Tilly had a hell of a lobbyist group I, well, there, I, was I would say. say. You know that they're frequenting. You know that they were probably given. Are you trying to say that you think politicians and uh, law enforcement and other people in power in Sydney were frequenting her establishments? I'm going to rug my kangaroo scrotum sack since we're talking about Sydney and just choose to not answer that question. It's probably a good Your idea. Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling, but if you think about it from an entrepreneur standpoint, I'm sure that she offered them not only the best of the best of what she had, but whatever kink that they had, she would make sure was satisfied. I'm sure that they were given... And being discreet with it. Yes, exactly. They probably were even given, which was common of the time, their own private entrance. Like, they could be that discreet. All right. So So the cars are coming around the back? Yeah. You know, so that 
that is how I imagine something like this could go on so long while we turn a blind eye. And quite frankly, there are bigger crimes and fish to fry and not enough resources in which to do so. Fair. Here she was, one of Sydney's most ruthless and wealthiest madams. Tilly Devine actually died in a rather, as the newspapers said it, I'm like, this is so mean. They called it a rather pathetic circumstance of poverty and pain. She suffered from chronic bronchitis for 20 years before she succumbed to cancer in Concord Hospital on November 24th, 1970. Oh. She's 70 years old. Now, Kate Lee received tributes, but few Sydney Siders mourned the passing of Tilly Devine. When Kate died, there were literal like Mourners. tributes made for her. Mm-hmm. There is a an obituary that was wrote by Ron Saw of the Daily Telegraph. And he I was just like, Are you are you kidding me? She he quoted this was a quote from that obituary. A vicious grasping high priestess of savagery (laughs) i know obscenity and whoredom she died friendless and alone and for that she must be pitied oh my god but if they had a wake for her the sorrow would be slobber and crocodile tears she was a wretched woman Holy shit! That's I feel so like I awful. should have said that with an accent, but I'm so bad at accents. Okay, I'm, yeah, that's isn't that terrible? That's what the Daily Telegraph I wrote like, about her passing. I feel like Tilly deserves a better obit. I agree. I think one of your listeners could probably write you and send you a better obit for Miss Tilly. Well, I do have, I I do have one that was written about her that it doesn't deflect from what she was, but it was not nearly as horrific nobody called her a whore it was aggressive it. Yes. it was very aggressive it was very aggressive they did not have a wake for her there was no wake for her and um the daily telegraph had even said like even her favorite watering hole nobody wanted to know about her death but one old lady proposed a toast but no one bothered to drink. I'm like, okay, was that just for dramatic effect? Or was there, she probably had a friend at her favorite bar who was like, to Tilly! And right. everybody else was like, who the fuck's Tilly? Because no one's paying attention to drink an 80 year drink. old. Right, no one's paying attention to an 80 year old sitting at the bar. And she's 80 at this point in yeah. time. Her people are long gone that she ran with. So she's probably not out there making a bunch of friends. But to insinuate that she had none, I think is inaccurate for the way that her life was led. There are there are legendary things that her life inspired. So there is a play called The Slaughter of St. Teresa's Day by Peter Kennis, and also a book called Razor, Tilly Define, Kate Lee, and the Razor Gangs, which had been republished many times since its first edition in 2001. And in 2009, a graphic expedition uh, at the Justice and Police Museum revealed the extent of her savage and merciless career by putting on, like, putting a display up of her gangs that she ran. You know, like, just the history of the gangs that she ran and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, she gets tied in a lot with the Razor Gang because she came onto that scene 
in Australia at the time where they were starting to form. And she ends up essentially like leading them with Kate Lee. Yeah, it became so, her MO, right? Mm-hmm. Every single time she's in trouble for, I mean, it's it's slashing somebody. Yes. Yeah. So if you like Google Razor Gangs, you know, in Australia, her and Kate are going to come up because they ran, they ended up like hiring them to be their their heavies and whatnot. And they became a part of them. So rivalry ones, but still. So here is what I could find the closest thing to an obituary that was written about Tilly. It says, Tilly Devine, the queen of Wulumulu, Wulumulu. Wulumulu is dead. She died in Concord Reputarian Hospital last night. Times changed Tilly as they changed the Lu, which must be what they called Wulululu. Wulululu. Oh my God. Wulululu. Woo! So they must have called it the Lou. In her heyday, she admitted wearing more diamonds than the Queen of England and better ones too. Oh shit. But she died, as Tilly would have put it, broke. Tilly's married name was Mrs. Matilda Parsons. With her first husband, underworld identity, Big Jim Devine, she came to Australia from London in 1919. She made a fortune during the war from her sly grog. She did her bit for the war effort by reducing the sly grog price of a bottle of beer by three pence to the men in uniform. She had lived in later years in a cottage at Maroba, the same cottage outside which Big Jim shot dead a gunman and where gangsters, oh, Guido Coletti and Frankie Green once shot it out. One of those big parties that like they're it. talking about. Tilly was noted for her lavish wartime parties. For one, her own ball of the year, where she hired a Maccabean, she hired the Maccabean Hall at Derlinghurst, and she told the hall management the function was for charity. <laughs> oh my God. But it was for her own ball of the year. I love that it. She was throwing. <laughs> oh, shit. It She's was, a sociopath. For sure. It was to, uh, to raise bail. Oh, God. Oh, my God. She had a ball to raise bail money? For a man named Kelly charged with attempted murder. That is priceless. She threw this lavish party at the hall at Darlinghurst. And you know what? In her defense, she probably did feel that was being charitable. For sure. I this mean, is for charity. I can tell you that. It's not for me. Kelly most definitely thought it was charitable. A charitable Race, woman. Get him out of there. Big Jim and East Sydney um, identify Cliffy Thomas stood at the door. Oh, so Big Jim and, and Cliffy Thomas were like the doormen for this hall. Or for this big party. Bouncers. Uh Uh-huh. A girl known in King's Cross as Carbine Lottie worked in the cloakroom. And the ticket auctioneer was Bandages Cosgrove, so-called because he usually showed the effects of his profession as a bouncer. So this guy, Bandages, apparently inflicted a lot of pain on people. So all of those- You're leaving in bandages. All of these people are at this nice hall for this charity event that's not really a charity event so Attili announced to the patrons I don't want you turning into the turning this turning this into a riot if anyone does I'll hoist him myself girl Tilly Devine always claimed the best men she had ever known was her late husband ex-navy man Eric Parsons she married him a month after being charged with trying to murder him by shooting him (laughs) in the leg her in her later years, she was even known to shed a tear for late Eric. 
I bet she didn't cry for no one. I don't. Except, except Eric. I don't yeah. think so. She must. She truly loved him. Now, she wrote her own obituary in a letter that she once sent to Truth Newspaper. She wrote, give a dog a bad name and it sticks. I wasn't as bad as I was painted. There's lots in Sydney who will miss me, even coppers. All right. And that's how I'm ending. Even the coppers. I bet. Even the coppers. I'm telling you, I bet that she did have plenty of police that enjoyed her upscale establishments. And remember, she did do some good things. Yes. She didn't keep it all for herself. She was a charitable woman as well. She seemed to be a backer of the people in uniform, military or otherwise, for the time. Do you know... I just realized, too, this is the perfect case to cover when we were unveiling our scrotum sack. Because it's Australia. Yes, and it comes from our Patreon from Australia, Jason. Oh, my gosh. It it comes full circle, Megan. It does. It really does. It's weird how that happens. It is, because I didn't plan that. Like, we, I had no idea when Michelle's crystals were going to arrive and when the next time I would record was. This is just the next case I had up, you know, on the list. So that is kind of crazy. Very divine, if I do say so myself. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. (laughs) Miss Divine. Miss Tilly Divine. You caught on. Thank you. Well, you know, some people say I'm smart. I've heard that a time or two Mm -hmm. and witnessed it, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Well, I try. There is a newspaper clipping that I am going to post for followers that is Tilly and Kate at a social function. Together? Together. And they wrote a whole article about the two leaders of the Surrey Hills Society being being together at the same time. The Surrey Hills Society, though? So they're, like, making this more... Upscale than it was. Yep, there they are. That's oh, this Tilly. is them older. That's they look like they like each other. I know. The picture of the year, it says. Uh huh. This is the picture of the year because those they were. Do arch we know which is which? Enemies. Yes, this is Tilly. Miss Tilly's a little bit prettier than Miss mm-hmm. Kate. A little bit. But I and for whatever reason I pictured it the other way around, and I think it's because of the way that society paints her. Compared to Kate, when they were literally doing the same things. But see, I think the difference is, I don't think Kate got arrested like Tilly did. Well, but Kate, again, she was a local. She was, but she, I don't think she had the mouth on her. No, yeah. That, so they're engaged in the same behaviors or the same businesses, but Miss Tilly can't keep her potty mouth she cannot, shut, right? No, I know. So I, that gets her in trouble. I understand. You and I both know, as women who perhaps sometimes use other than lovely ladylike language... Mm-hmm. Um, some people make a decision or about you based uh, yes, off of that. Yes, a judgment. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and I have my grandma to thank for for my language. So, and I, she was a she was a strong woman. She also right. ate dessert first because she said, "I don't know if I'm gonna fucking live until the end of the meal." So, I'm eating <laughs> my dessert first. Hail Norma! Right? Norma, I love oh, you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a true thing. That's a great way to live, actually. When I was eight years old, I learned to tell somebody that uh, if, if I didn't like what they were bringing to the table, fuck you and the horse you rode in on, because oh. that's what my grandma said. Mom oh wasn't gosh. super impressed. I bet not. I mean, not that she didn't hear it, too, but she's right. like, Norma, seriously? She's eight. Could we not? Can we not? Oh, I love this. Oh, well, Norma, I think I'm now going to start channeling her at all my Channeler. meals. And those two ladies right in there, they may have done some bad things, hurt, hurt some people. If you notice, though, 
I didn't find information where they were directly killing people. I mean, I don't. This isn't like a serial killer. It case. did surprise me that there wasn't any murder, at least on on her part, that was disclosed. Yes, I'm sure that we can assume gangs carried out things for her, but she was known to hurt men who treated her ladies wrong or hurt the ladies that treated her wrong. I mean, that's just nature. Like it was progressive. This is, yeah, I like. I just, I like how brilliant both of these women, frankly, were for their, you know, for the time. And not even for the time. We've always been fucking brilliant. But I mean, they're going against what society expected of them and knew men would be intimidated by this. I mean, my God, they wrote actual laws totally discrediting a woman for being able to run a brothel. Well, the rhetoric of the time wouldn't have necessarily included the female sex. It would have just been included. It would have just assumed with men and probably hoped that the application was meant for everyone, but they found the loophole, like you said. Yeah, yep. And it's just so ironic that it's on brothels specifically. Right. Like, you can't have a brothel without a woman, um, unless you're an all-man brothel. But I don't know, did, did those did, exist? Did they exist? I don't know, because we don't ever hear about those if they did. I feel like now I need to research that. I know. know. I, I would I would absolutely love to know. but I don't think so. I, Women weren't, mm-mm. we just didn't. No, because it it wouldn't it have been expected. Accepted. It wasn't appropriate. No, nope, right. it was not accepted. So, <laughs> And then there's the obvious, right? Do women actually have to pay for sex? Because it's usually theirs an that's option. That's a good point. <laughs> so yes. that would have been a terrible business yep. to go into. Right. Yep. That is that is so true. <laughs> yeah. When, when women can find w- dick anywhere. Right. When women wanted the love, they, they simply uh, walk into the bar, turn over to the guy next to him and say, hi. Yes, exactly. Where Wanna are you from? from? <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be more subtle, girl. Yeah. No, not when they're on the prowl. You know, they're just, I'm just saying it is that easy. Right. So we know. Men do have to work harder. There are no male brothels. Yeah. no, (laughs) At least not that women would be paying to to attend. Right. 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 Good point. Uh, Okay. So for a brain bath, I have a personal one. Oh, yay. Mm -hmm. Okay. It recently happened to me. And I may do even a short little video clip just so others know what they can expect if they'd like to listen to Crime Curious. But I was in a local grocery store not two days ago, Megan. Ooh. Yes. And I am minding my business. You know our town is small. You don't go to the local grocery store without seeing people you know. You always see someone you know. Always. Or no recognize. Matter how incognito that you are trying to be, right? What were you wearing? Well, I was in workout shorts in a in a tank top. Okay. okay nothing I I was not, um, I don't wear a lot of makeup though anyway. So I, I mean, I'm not looking fantastic or by any But you're means, wearing workout clothes. Yeah. Yep. And I'm innocently reaching in everybody for a jug of milk. I have to buy them two at a time for my large my family. family. Yep. Every two days we go through two gallons of milk and you know, a gallon of milk a day. So I'm just doing a quick little trip in and out of this store, grab myself a gallon of milk, go in to grab the second gallon and it slips in slow motion from my tiny childlike hand. <laughs> and it does not just break. Okay. It explodes. It fucking explodes. Megan, it was all over my face. It exploded. <laughs> I looked like a bad home pornography video. Okay. 
It is on my face. It is dripping down my boobs into my bra. You've just been spray painted. Down like- my legs. And there are, it's, it is a Friday. You gave there yourself a facial. Everywhere. I did. <laughs> a milk bath, actually. People, oh, I wasn't using the term <laughs> facial as in milk. <laughs> so there were people watching. This whole thing. Everyone in that moment in the store needed milk. Because from what I could tell, I turned around and they were all there going, oh no. And But when I turn around, I don't realize it is so profusely all over my face. And this little old lady goes, oh honey, you're going to need to clean your face up. (laughs) And then suddenly I can feel it drip onto my shoulder. I'm wearing a tank top. I can feel it drip onto my shoulder as I'm trying to explain I don't even know what I'm trying to explain other than... It slipped. What I said was, that's how my day is going. (laughs) I don't even know why I said that. But now it's all over my feet. Like I'm standing in a puddle of it. I go to pick the carton up. Why do I need to pick the carton up? There's no need. I think you attempted to save it. It is so very empty. And I'm trying to get myself out of this situation. I'm surrounded by a moat of milk. And I go to step. Well, of course, it's squish. Squish. I'm wearing flip flops that oh, absorb so the milk. Too. And I'm just in this. This little old man goes, "Honey, just leave it because they will. They will clean it up." I'm like, but I'd like to try to find someone and take responsibility. Right. right. <laughs> there is this one worker at this this um, particular store. He seems to be like maybe 19 or so. He hates his job. Oh. And I avoid his line every time I go to this store. Because he doesn't because make it a pleasant shopping he's experience. He's such a dick. And I want to just literally kick him in the nuts every time I have an exchange with him. And wouldn't you know it, that's the motherfucker who walks by. Of course. And he's looking over, he's like, oh, Right. (laughs) Probably. He's not, he's got his earbuds in and he's not wearing his apron yet. And I was like, excuse me, you work here, right? He pulls his earbuds out. Huh? I said, you work here, right? I'm sorry, but this slipped out of my hand. And he looks down and sees what the situation is and goes, good God. I'll, what did he say? I will clock in and get somebody on this. I was like, thank you. I'm really sorry. And he doesn't even like wait for me to say that. He's just walking Puts away. Puts his earbud back in his he ear. He did. And he walks absolutely away. put his earbud back in his be- ear. His beard. His, his beard. His, <laughs> his ear. I'm sure he was listening to Crime Curious. You know, oh, I'm sure. If not, he should be. Right. Son, now you need to get a better it. attitude. And, or quit your job and get one you enjoy. Like if this <laughs> is what, if you hate this job so much. Some people don't enjoy anything mm, though. That's true. There are those people. And I'm not sure that I can't. I'm not sure what were you able to get your second gallon of milk oh just wait for it so I'm discreetly trying to get away from this mess okay I had cleaned my face up but I hadn't looked down until I heard my flip-flops squishing exactly I got I got about five steps away from the mess Megan and I looked down and realized it's dripping down my legs and I'm just like what I'm not I'm in the middle of a main aisle now I'm not bending over to wipe my legs off. And all of a sudden I hear, hey, Charnel. <gasps> and I look up and there standing before me is one of my husband's friends. Oh, no. And he wants to talk to me about how Jacob is doing. My oldest. Yes, who had an injury. His, he did. He had an injury in football, um, his first 
game and dislocated shoulder. And he's just tenderly asking me how he is. He's like, I know he worked Does so he hard. Does he not notice that you are dripping wet? Like you at literally this, look like you're lactating. At this, yes. At this point in time, I'm like, please don't look at my legs or my shirt. I'm wearing a white tank top. It's a workout <laughs> tank top, right? Weird how and they want to stop and talk to you I'm then. like, oh my God, please. I'm hiding behind this cart and he is, we're having a lovely conversation, but behind me, I can hear everyone going, oh God, what a mess. Oh, don't <laughs> slip in that. Watch out for that mess. Jesus, who did this? I just because can't. I'm only five steps away from the mess I created. I think you just leave the cart and walk out of the store and start over someplace I, else. I considered it, but my kids needed. Food. I was there for um, dinner provisions. Okay, like you really I had to get this stuff right. So then um, I have this conversation with him. He walks past me and I hear him go oh god to his daughter look at that mess and I'm like oh Jesus yes it's me I take two more steps and another person hey Charnel how's Jacob doing I had to have a full another conversation with another lovely lady who knows me does about no one, my son. Does no one recognize that you are wet? If they did. Like covers and smell like milk. Oh, I smell like the inside of a processed udder for sure. A hundred percent I do. Maybe no. they just assumed you'd had a hell of a workout. You're wearing workout Ex- clothes. I do wonder that. You look sweaty. Yes, because no one said anything. But then... As they passed me, they then noticed the milk, and both of them were like, oh, what a mess. So I then heard another um, mom. As you're squishing past yes. them down the aisle. Yes. And I heard another mom go, Tavion, get out of that milk. <laughs> the like, kids are playing in yes. it. Yes. Then... I finally think this is behind me, and I was in an aisle by myself and wiped my little chicken sticks up so it's not dripping down my legs anymore. Yeah. I'm still squishing, though, and I hear over the loudspeaker, hey, we ha- we need an associate to the milk department. There's been an incident. <laughs> not even oh a spill. Oh, my God, I'm the incident. <laughs> it was that same kid that, I'm didn't the incident. Want- that doesn't like his job. It could have been worse. doesn't like me. could have made it back to the front to check you out. Well, I was making, I decided I would either do the self-checkout or, you know, I'm really going to heavily check the person, like, who is this person's line that I'm getting into. I need a friendly face. I'm having a bad day. Yes. I did go to a regular, I hate the self-checkouts, so I did go to a regular person and I did tell them that I need to pay for, I was like, I'm the milk incident. And so I'd like to pay for the gallon of milk that exploded. And she was like, she then looks down at my shirt and says, is that milk? Uh And I was like, you mean all over me? Yes. She goes, that's okay. We don't make people pay for spills like that. I was like, oh, that's so nice of you. She had pity. She She took pity on you. She, by the state of my disheveledness and my shoes are still squishing. And she's the only person, by the way, of two actual friends, people you know, who've noticed that you are wet, covered in milk and squishing. And I'm I'm wondering if they really, like you said, if they just thought it was sweat and because they hadn't seen the milk yet. They did not see the milk spill until after they walked past me. And at that point, I wonder if they were like, huh, was that milk all over Charnel? Was that Charnel? Yeah. What was the incident? Yeah. Oh, God, that's fantastic. Well, I'm sorry. 
And and I love that your response is, well, that's my that's day. That's my day. And it really was just wrapped up. I had spent the entire day doing a shitty-ass investigation, and I did not want to human anymore, frankly. I and I hate the grocery store. Hate it. Oh, but yeah, I, needed, I don't. I needed food to feed my children, and my husband usually goes, but he knows so many people. If I send him, it's an hour and a half long situation. Because you talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Do the pickup. I never like you have to schedule it ahead of a time. You do, you know, and, and then I'm your not... brands aren't always right. Right, yeah, I know. right. I understand that. Yep. Too. So I, it was just going to be a quick trip, Megan. Just a quick trip in there, in and out. Yeah, no. And so I got to stand there with my shame behind me, talking to people that I know, listening to strangers carry on about the mess I made. And now you will be forever referred to as the incident. <laughs> I'm. There's been an I'm incident, the incident in the in milk, the milk aisle. aisle. I am the milky incident. <laughs> I had to wash those shoes. I had to come home and shower. I was a sticky, utter mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's so punny. That's adorable. Is milk sticky? It is. I'm here to tell well, you. Well, I mean, it it's has very... sucrose. Lactose is yeah. a sugar. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that makes sense now. I can tell you that it was very sticky. I could have caught flies with my entire body <laughs> by the time I got home. Yep. And I was trying to do a video for the Patreons about it because I was soaked, but I looked so awful and was still so embarrassed from the whole situation. I deleted the video. Charnel, <laughs> like, I can't. You do realize if you were to call that grocery store, I bet they have it on video. I know they do. Okay. <laughs> I know that they do. And which is why I was going to take accountability and pay for it. Because I'm like, I would like to come I, back to this store. Yeah, I think they're right, though. I think when people have those accidents, like with the glass containers in the past aisle and the stuff like that, too, yeah. they don't make people pay for yeah. it. It was nice of you to offer, though. I, You're a decent human being. I tried. You're a decent incident. I, I'm the incident. <laughs> the milk incident. But, oh, gosh. Okay. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. If you are so inclined, feel free to follow me on social media, crime.curious for Instagram, Crime Curious Podcast on Facebook, and at Curious Crime for Twitter. You can send case suggestions to crimecurious at yahoo.com. And if you want to binge extra content, join Patreon at patreon.com slash crimecurious. Or you can click on the link that's in the show notes for that. And until next time, everybody, bye-bye. Bye-bye.